Aaron Alexander. Welcome to the podcast, brother. What's up, man? Thanks for making time. Yeah, thank you very much as well, dude. I um, just to just start it off. I remember listening to you about two years ago when I was in Europe on like a party month <laughs> and I uh, was like coming down off a big drinking session and I had like an eight hour bus because a flight was canceled. Um, and I listened to like three of your podcasts. One of them I heard on Aubrey Marcus and um, I was just hooked straight away and I was like, this dude, I can relate to this dude. He's talking about like men's feelings and like what they're going through. And then I got into your um, your chats about mobility and injury prevention and i've had a motorbike accident uh i've got l4 l5 to s1 disc bulges and everything you were just saying was just hitting me right in the feels so uh thank you so much for coming on the podcast oh man that really means a lot i love hearing that sometimes you know you say so many things and you wonder should i have said that you know and i'm hearing that reflection I'm like cool that's great i'm glad to hear <laughs> The bit, one of my favorite parts of your, all your podcasts, other than the um, awesome information and just like you being real is like, you get, you get everyone to laugh and your laugh is so contagious and it's so real. And you can genuinely see that you're on your right path and you can genuinely see that you're having a fucking good time when you're having a podcast with someone. <laughs> yeah. Well, people take life so seriously. I mean, that, by people, I mean me. Um, I go in and out like at any moment, you know, we can, I mean, this is all things that are almost cliche at this point, but like we really can die. Like this truly may be the last conversation that you and I have. It's so so why not yeah. celebrate this shit, man? <laughs> I uh, did a little micro dose yesterday on some uh, psilocybin. So I'm just, I, I've been doing micro dosing. I don't know, maybe for about a year but i only do it like i only do um maybe two days a week for a month and then i'll just stop it completely and i'll not i'll kind of forget and then when i need to get my creativity or i'm having a podcast or i'm writing like i'm going through a new website and new stuff at the moment but to get that creativity up and i thought what a good morning i had a swim i went to pilates and then i came back for a podcast with you so um i'm feeling creative and feeling super excited mm. uh I've got some questions for you before we get started. Uh, I know you've got a new book out. It's the uh, line method. Is that correct? It's the line method. I got it sitting here. You're probably not going to do video, but this is the yeah. I'm doing. Thing. We have one. We have one send coming your way as well. So awesome, awesome. Uh, what I'm going to yeah. do with this is I'm actually going to be splitting some of the good parts of this podcast up and putting it on oh, my IGTV. I find cool. that works really well. So um, we'll have the audio and we'll have some video as well, maybe on the YouTube. But yeah, I'm super stoked to uh, read your book and, you know, it's been exciting and I know that's massive value because you don't do anything half-assed. Before we, dis before we discuss the book, I want to give people some of the reasons why I fucking love you and why people already love you before we actually talk about the book. And I want to talk about some stuff that I may not have heard in your last interviews with other people. And I want to know, where were you born and what was it like for you growing up? I was born in uh, Amish country, Pennsylvania, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And um, I think it like, you know, like Joe Campbell talks, talks about detribalization and the ordinary world that we come from and everyone kind of thinks they come from like a normal place. I think mine felt like pretty darn, you know, stereotypical corn fed, like American normalness. <laughs> and then um, that had like a, a interesting transition where uh my i'm sure you already have known this like in the intro of the book and whatnot 
my dad got into drugs as, as I was a kid. So he started smoking crack and like all sorts of weird stuff and like pimping and it was a very fascinating experience to be involved in. And uh, so that was like, I think the beginning of like things becoming a little bit less normal. Yeah. Um, and which I think is like the beginning of, of, of uh, meaningful development. You know, yeah. so I, I, I'm like immensely grateful for all of that because it was like, man, I got to just turbo throttle education through uh, experiencing that. And then that kind of was like the beginning of becoming curious uh, more in retrospect of like witnessing the effect that I had of, of packing on muscle as, as, as fast as I possibly could. Um, and just a lot of like validation seeking and um, just like looking to feel more safe and secure in my, my, my biological home. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and so that may all just be story, but it seems like a likely story that perhaps like home life kind of started to feel a little bit unstable. And then I wanted to create uh, excessive stability as a compensation in my, in my body. So then that was the beginning of kind of like the wheels fallen off in another direction of just imbalanced movement patterns in the form of like beach muscle training kind of thing, you know, yeah, like trying yeah. to get the, whatever I could see in the mirror, I wanted to like hypertrophy the shit out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I'm not sure if you've, um, you know, heard a bit about my history, but it's, it's very similar, not in a way of like Amish corn fed country, but <laughs> I, grew, I grew up in a little country down, a little country town in, uh, Queensland in Australia. Uh, we grew up, we grew up, uh, a bit more on the lower end. We weren't like, we weren't like poor, poor, but like I took a shitty old bus to school, couldn't afford textbooks. Um, my father was, um, a pretty heavy alcoholic. So my mum removed us from him. So we struggled even more, but, um, she wanted to get us away from like seeing him drinking and being abusive and just like verbally and whatnot uh, in front of him. So we struggled for a bit. Mum worked two jobs and, I did the exact same thing as you. As soon as I was like, as soon as I was like 15, I literally started doing uh, exercise and weights. And my main goal, my absolute main goal, was like pack on as much muscle on all the muscles that you could see in the mirror. Yeah. And the exact same thing happened to me. I created, started creating all these instabilities. I tore my uh, my lumbar in a deadlifting um, workout competition thing we did. Um, I had a motorbike accident. The ego was driven for that. And as soon as I got, as soon as I hit the ground in that motorbike accident, it was like my whole life flashed beyond my eyes in those last few slow motion, slow motion seconds where I'm dodging cars and falling off the motorbike. I broke my ankle. I did some damage to my knee and it hurt my lower back again. But that, that one moment I'm very blessed for because ever since that motorbike accident, I went from the guy who like grew his Instagram really fast and thought he was like the shit and popular and the ego was just its mass buying motorbike car. thought I was the coolest person ever to realizing like, you know, that we could, uh, accept our, the, the visuals of our body can be removed very quickly. Like after that motorbike accident, I was going to go to America com compete. I ended up still going there a year later, but I had to kind of start from scratch. I was in a wheelchair on my uh, 22nd birthday. And uh, it was just, it was a shit situation, but the same thing happened to me. Like I built all this muscle to create stability because I was like not so stable when I was younger and my family didn't have a father around and no family. My mom was adopted. So it was even bad stuff getting not bad stuff, but you know, she didn't really know how to be a mother. So it was like always just like a back and forth battle. But I think everything I went through, just like you created a person that we're a man that has feelings and talks about our feelings. And we're now open to, you know, being mobile and doing yoga and wearing tights and, you know, doing Pilates. Like I did Pilates this morning. Like, I think 
for the first time in a long time, especially in Australia, I think America was doing this like maybe five or six years ago. You were at the forefront of this. It's like, yeah. it's now cool for a guy to go and do Pilates and yoga and stretch at the gym instead of doing heavy weights. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I mean, there's like the, a fool who persists in his follies will eventually become wise. Like you can only pack on whatever the imbalance, whatever the compensation is, it's only going to work for so long. There's an interesting uh, book called The Untethered Soul by a called uh, Michael Singer. And in that, he's an analogy of like, we can have an initial thorn in our side that would be like a, at some point in our life, you know, something felt unfair or something felt, you know, we felt fearful or we felt ashamed or something caused us, our human organism to contract in that moment. And then instead of allowing that to, to purge and release that impression, which impression is uh, the Sanskrit word for impression is a samskara, which is something that's like, if you're done like meditation and whatnot, you can like potentially maybe in, in meditation camp, you know, Vipassana meditation thing that I, I, I did, they were uh, the teacher when I would go up and ask me like, man, like my hip feels like it's going to like explode. Like what's going on? He's like, oh yeah, like some scars are moving through your body. I'm like, oh, all right, well, perfect. That's great. <laughs> um, thanks. Um, you know, and so those impressions we can hold on to because we don't typically hold on to the stuff that's feels so like light and joyous and whatnot. That's more of like an open, you know, things move through. But some of the harder parts we can contract, like the times that you want to cry maybe, but it's not appropriate for like a big strong man to cry. So you kind of like, like suck it up and your diaphragm contracts and your organs, go, all your sphincters clench up. You're like, okay, cool. Pack it in. Keep moving on. And every time we do that, that slowly builds up. Um, and with time, eventually, you know, it's just think of like a, like the, the different types of volcano. There's like the explosive kind of volcano and then there's like the oozing kind of volcano there's a technical name for that i don't remember um you know so the oozing volcanoes they're not dangerous to be around you know they're they're chilling you can hang out with them you can they could be a fine father or mother or friend or whatever <laughs> an oozing volcano uh but an explosive volcano seems great on the outside for a while until eventually it's really not great anymore and so the sooner that a person can be open to certain sensations or feelings that they may or may not deem socially acceptable uh, and just accept them, um, that allows them to move through and be released and move on so that you can be a more authentic, comfortable, spacious body. But if you have contraction in the form of some type of like emotional holding pattern which i'm full of them like i'm not by any means saying this stuff as though i've transcended anything i'm just kind of like in this like watching experience and i'm like oh man you know and then as i think it's like really good i'm like oh man i think it's worse than i thought you know <laughs> i'll kind of go through these layers and uh and that's okay you know as long as you're in that place of love and acceptance of all of your bullshit and all of your girlfriend's bullshit or wife's bullshit in your case. I heard you recently got engaged. That's cool. You, um, you know, so like that, as long as you lead with that, then that allows the spaciousness for something positive manifest from that. You know, like Martin Luther King talked about as long as you have, as long as there's an underlying contempt between you and your enemy, you'll never be able to have any form of conversation. You know, or it's just going to, right from the get-go, that's how he said it, he said it in a way more eloquent way. But you know, if, as long as there's contempt, there's a, a contracting pattern between you and somebody, including you and yourself, 
um, you're not going to be able to go anywhere. You're not going to be able to move from there. You're both pinned. You know, and so um, that was a long roundabout way of maybe not even really saying anything, but the, the, the fool who persists in his folly thing, you know, you can keep on building up those patterns and keep on building apparatus around that initial thorn or maybe thorns, but the apparatus eventually will rust out and erode and become heavy and clunky and too uncomfortable to navigate the world with. Um, and then maybe motorcycle accident. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think that that wasn't necessarily was or was not, but you said that your ego drove you into it. So perhaps that no, was, I, I you're proving something. And you know, is, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm like, yeah, that's like yeah. me speaking way too far, but, but metaphoric motorcycle. Yeah. Accident. Yeah. Yeah. But what I was going to say there is I, I fucking hundred percent agree with you, man. And I wouldn't be on this podcast with you unless I had felt a lot of the things that you've said in the last few years in your uh, interviews and podcasts hit home to me because that's exactly right. Like I went through the similar, I went through the similar stuff and I think there's a lot of listeners and um, young men out there that are just obsessed with muscle building and um, being someone like myself, I'm still torn between two sides. I'm in, I'm still in the muscle gym guy scene, but I'm doing handstands and Ido portal and flow and animal flow and I'm surfing. I just got a mountain bike and I'm trying to show people that you can truly do both but you have to pull back and actually acknowledge that like muscle being a big muscly guy doesn't actually solve the problems that you're going through. You have to face them face to face and it might mean meditation. It might mean jujitsu. It might mean, you know what I mean? Whatever can it help you find out that we don't need to be a big muscly guy to be strong. Well, being a big muscly guy can almost make it harder. It's like someone that's addicted to crack, like, you know, my, my dad's story. It's almost convenient. You know, crack, it's socially completely unacceptable. It's this terrible, dirty, life-ending, family-destroying thing. Um, so it's like you go to jail, you know, and you, you know, the, the, the tribe shuns you. And you're just like, we're not going to have that. Whereas there's other, but it's just an addiction. You know, like neurologically, we get a really similar response to looking at our notifications on an Instagram thing, you know, or you know, food, if that's your bag or, or cocaine or whatever. You know, so it's just, I think that the root of all of this stuff is there's some void that needs to be filled. And then we have some type of proclivity to find, you know, certain thing, whatever, whatever the medium that fits our, fits our, our thing best, we'll kind of go deeply into that. But it's almost worse in a sense because we're not just socially outcast unless you're kind of a, a cunt with your muscles and you're arrogant, which is kind of hard not to be sometimes. Um, you know, so that's not really so well appreciated. Um, but it's actually applauded. Yeah. You know, and so, so those things that at the, at, at the root, there's some instability or insecurity of I don't really love myself or I don't really feel a part of this community or any community because I don't really know how to even feel connected with myself for that matter. Um, so I'm just going to keep on packing on and get the fanciest car to show the world that I'm awesome, get the fanciest muscles, the biggest muscles to show the world that I'm good enough uh, and just keep on packing all those layers. I'm going to make lots of money. I'm going to let the world know that I have lots of money yeah. to go out of my way. You know, I have this unnecessary $8,000 watch that I couldn't even afford, but I think that it's going to lead to a little bit more love. Um, but as long as that's how you are seeking love uh, from the, 
drop. It was instable and it was built off of something that's, you know, it's a compensatory pattern. And so then, I mean, this is probably unnecessary how deep I'm going with this, but then you have people loving that thing and not actually loving you because yeah. you don't know how to project yourself in such a way that is you because you just put these different costumes for people to love. And now you have these empty, dry, vacuous relationships and you're wondering why you don't feel filled up even though you have everything in the fucking world. <laughs> now, yeah. now it's so true. It's like a, it's like a circle of, uh, it's a circle of bad like going on, but your now your identity this is what happened to me like now your identity is uh attached to being the big muscular guy muscular guy and everyone knows you as the guy that competes or um is the guy that has big muscles so like your identity is attached to that because now even if you don't want to be that guy now you feel like you have to be that guy so it's yeah. just it's like never-ending uh circle and nothing's being recycled it's just like everything's clogged up mentally and physically what got yeah. you what got you what there must have been, there must have been this, for me, it was like having the motorbike accident plus getting the, probably the lower back injury. What was the, the lump, the last straw that made you go from being a, like a body, not bodybuilding, but like a muscle, muscular training guy to like, okay, I want to get into mobility. And what was the big bit that got you into that? I don't know, maybe laziness. Lifting weights is hard. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. 90, minutes, 90 minutes of big room is fun. yeah that's hard that's hard too yeah everything's it's just different forms of hard an hour leg session i'll do an hour leg session every day yeah well that's the thing i mean that's in a in a sense doing what you're accustomed to essentially is lazy you know so the, the guy at the gym that's like a super bodybuilder or power lifter or the yogi or you know the dancer and they're just like all i want to do is dance all I want to do is bench press. And it's like, it seems as though, you know, you're exerting kilocals, you know, you're exerting energy. It's like, well, I can't be lazy. You're like, you're pushing, like shit's happening. It's just like, well, you're not really working to go outside of your box and adapt. You know, so I go through this workout and I, you know, I, I punch it every time. I'm like, but you feel so much more uncomfortable if you were put into a dance class or into a yoga class or something else. And so that really is where like the, the deeper work is for that person. Uh, not to say that you have to just do shit that you don't like all the time. Cause that's like, like have the thing that's your meditative practice that you really enjoy. Um, but I think there's different, there's, there's kind of more subtler versions of laziness as well. There's actually a, um, what is it called? Illusory. This is a little bit of a side tangent, but I think it's interesting. There's a, there's a, a term that, that Chinese researchers uh, came with. I have in the, in the book. Um, they call it illusory invulnerability that uh, sometimes people that do like high exerting weightlifting exercise, any type of workout thing um, afterwards, they'll have this illusory invulnerability where it's like they're in the, under this illusion that, oh, okay, cool. Like I did my hard 45 minute hit workout. Now I can just kind of like eat like an asshole and kind of lay around and stare at my phone the rest of the day. Cause like I did it, I put the work in. It's like, no, 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 that's actually really challenging for the body. And when you look at uh, astronauts, for example, and they're in space, uh, Joan Vernicos is another woman that I referenced in the book. Uh, she wrote several books. One was, was um, moving heels, Sitting Kills? I think it's something like that. Anyways, Joan Vernicos. Um, and she was the director of life sciences at NASA for like 40 years. And she studied the effect of gravity on astronauts while they're in space. And she found that the, the astronauts that would do small titrates or like drips 
of, of movement and activity and workout throughout the day would fare far better than those that would do these front-loaded, back-loaded, high-intensity, CrossFit-esque type space workouts. And because your body is a continually circula- circulating organism or fluid body of water, essentially. And so any like any pond, what you want in that pond is you want to be a well-circulated pond. Yeah, yeah. So if you had a pond in your backyard, you wouldn't just blast the shit out of that thing for 40 minutes you know, at 8 a.m. in the morning and then just turn the pump off the rest of the day. That'd be a terrible idea. You know, we say, okay, cool. Let's just, what if we just have a consistent, easy flow where we don't like startle the fish with this hurricane flow once a day? Like, what if we just kind of keep it easy, keep moving? And then occasionally a typhoon rainstorm comes in and we blow it out and it's fine and the fish knows how to adapt and whatnot. But it's not, the pattern isn't just gnarly typhoon rainstorm once a day and then drought the rest of the day. Yeah. You know, and it's a, this comes as, as a similar story as the guy who spoke to like entrepreneurs or biz, business guys that don't have time to train. And he, once he gets them to do is, um, I might've heard this on Joe Rogan or, or one of the podcasts, maybe Aubrey somewhere, awesome stuff. I did a bit of research on it myself. And uh, what he gets the business guy to do that doesn't have time to train or that doesn't really like to do a full hour workout is he gives him a uh, 15 or 20 kilo kettlebell and every hour he has an alarm and he has to swing the kettlebell 40 times. Great. And then every hour he gets to do that and he ends up adding in the same accumulation and volume as doing a big workout, but he misses no time at the office, just like when he goes to the toilet or when he walks past a certain room, he just swings his kettlebell. And yep. he actually had incredible fat loss and muscle gaining because the body was at such a good the central nervous system was quite calm and like you were saying, that it was a good flow throughout the day instead of just like blasting yourself with a CrossFit workout or yeah. a bodybuilding workout and then sitting around with your back all slumped on the couch for seven hours. Like that's not going to, it's just fighting two different directions. Um, So you didn't have any main injuries to get you into mobility. You just kind of, everything was just tight. Was there a time where it was like, no, I had injuries. I had lots of injuries. I had dislocated both my shoulders. Like, I don't know how many times, uh, innumerable numbers of times I dislocated my ankle. Um, I had like chronic back pain. Um, You know, just a lot of like chronic pains and then i had you know a, a handful of of like blowout injuries um but i wouldn't say that those did or did not get me into mobility stuff um i think like honestly i think something that got me into a mobility stuff in large part was community you know and wanting to go to group classes and just be with people yeah yeah i love it i love it really good so um yeah. Let's have a chat about your book, man. Let's have a chat about oh, yeah. what, when did you decide to when did you decide to write a book, create something like this? Hmm. I mean, I think maybe it's one of those things. You know, I'm kind of not literally bipolar, but like my self belief is is a little bit yo yo y, and I go in and out of feeling like I like oh I have you know, I'm channeling these messages that must get out in the world and it's going to, it's going to save Western culture to like, ah, like, you know, what is this nonsense, you know, suggesting people spend more time sitting on the ground and hanging and, you know, paying attention to how they use their visual muscles and whatnot. Like who cares, you know, let's let's go do something else. Um, You know, so I've had like an in and out journey of feeling like pretty committed to the book over the last probably four years since starting the podcast about five years ago. Um, but just not a lot of belief that uh, any publisher would give a shit. And um, yeah, honestly, like the beginning, we sold the book about a year and a half 
Miguel um, to Hachette. Uh, Grand Central is the imprint. Not that anybody really cares about that, but um, that was the beginning of that has been like a spiritual journey for me in a sense, uh, in large part of like self-confidence and belief that, you know, these high up people in their, you know, sky high rise buildings in New York were like, I think there's something to this align method stuff. Yeah. You know, we want to like, like we want to, you know, support your life at, to essentially make it like, if you feel like a, I felt like a, like a Renaissance artist in a way, like the church was like, you know, paying me to like make some art back at my, my one bedroom apartment in Santa Monica. And I'm like, okay, like I'll do it. Um, you know, so it was, it was a really beautiful thing to, to have that little boost of confidence and support of like, okay, this thing that I've been thinking about for a, like a, a, a strangely long time, um, like 14 years, pretty much intentionally thinking about the ideas in the book. Um, now all of a sudden it's like, poof, People are like, oh yeah, that's that's good. That'll work. And so I think it's one of those things where people are like, we're waiting. And I had this repeatedly where I'd connect with someone and I'd think like, oh, that was it. I did it. Like I'm, I'm gonna make it. You know, it's like I've arrived. You know, I do a podcast with somebody that I think is great, or I go on somebody's podcast. I think and I was like, ha ha, like it happened. <laughs> um, you know, like nope, it didn't happen. That wasn't it. You know, that was it, that was one of the steps, one of the building blocks. You know, and and with time. I've been kind of layering this matrix of just working, doing my damnedest to help as many people as I possibly can. And what I've found is that with time, if you trust the process, you can fill in that matrix enough through community and support and connecting with people that all of a sudden that, that community and that, that matrix that you've been filling in starts to want to pull you up and rise you up. And if all your effort is, is to help one person or three people or whatever and think that's it, it's like, that's not it. Like shoot for like really sincerely impacting it, you know, an individual level, maybe a thousand people before it's like, okay, cool. Like I think we're going someplace, you know, and just the more that we can slide, I mean, a thousand might be, maybe go even a little, little lower than that actually, depending upon who they are. And you know, it's like how, how, where you're at in your journey. Um, but with time, you, if you stick to your guns and you follow your heart, follow your bliss, as Joseph Campbell said, um, the thing that you're doing that at first perhaps seemed just like, you know, superfluous noise, like no one's really going to give a shit about this. If you deeply give a shit about the thing and you're able to create value for people at an individual level, like with, like with quickness, you can go in and like, I know what I have is helpful and I'm going to show you. And you do that enough times, eventually um, things start to happen. And I, and I, I think this book is like a really interesting like expression of, of that happening in real time. Yeah. I love that you've said that because I made a goal a few years ago because I grew a massive following on Instagram when I was a bit younger before the, before it, like I got in a little bit earlier when like the growth was a bit easier and I hit close to half a million through like a few different social medias and it was just out of control and it was just viral shirtless photos of me. There wasn't, even though, even though I'm saying that there was actually a lot of substance. I was putting up stories every day with morning routines without even knowing I was doing always morning routine. I'd go down to the ocean I'd go for a swim, I'd get in the pool, then I'd go train and I'd eat healthy. And I was showing all these things. I didn't know at the time that I was actually creating this amazing uh, ebook that I released a few years ago called the uh, 
it was the mind body transformation ebook and I've sold a few hundred copies of that changed a lot of lives and it's been really good but I made a decision a few years ago I got to the point with my Instagram where I was like I was I kind of I didn't really want to post anymore I got to the point where I was like what am I posting like there's only a certain amount of shirtless photos and like quotes and captions I can write yeah. And I had like a few weeks where I was away overseas. Um, and this was a similar time where I was when I was in Europe um, listening when I first heard you. And I was like, what am I really fucking doing? Like, is this for my ego? Or am I here to actually help people? Like, what am I really fucking doing? Because if it's for my ego, like that's kind of like, I've already stroked that a few years ago. Like there's not much more can go. And that's not passionate to me. Like when people meet me, like I went for a mountain bike ride with a guy I've never met before and face to face. He was a friend on Instagram. He seen that I had a mountain bike and asked to come for a ride with me. Uh, and when he went for a ride with me, we went for a ride for about an hour and then we got in the car and him and his girlfriend both looked at me and said, you're so much nicer than we thought you'd be because I come from mm. this guy on social media with like 300,000 followers or whatever and just shirtless photos. And like, I get it. Like it's hard to be the nice, humble down to earth guy when you're the guy with followers with the shirt off all the time. But what I really like is people who know me face to face, like everyone who knows me face to face absolutely adores me. And we always laugh and we have the funniest times. Like all my mates, I just like, we always just have a good time. Like that's what I'm always chasing the vibe, etc. So at that time where I was at my low, where I was like, what am I doing this for? I made, I wrote in my notes when I was on that bus, when I missed that, when, we, when that flight didn't happen and I made a goal to be like, okay, I want to change a million people's lives in my lifetime in a positive and passionate way in many different ways. So like just by getting them into the exercising, just by getting them into doing some flows, mobility, just by getting them to do a better morning routine, just by having uh, more thoughtfulness around their eating and everything, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's a big, a big passion behind it is my mom. She's a massive part of my, why I know about gut health and herbalism and like, she's a naturopath and we just, we talk all the time about like people's guts are fucked and people are trying all these different diets. What they need to do is just eat more down uh, to natural. But until I made that goal, that's when my, that's when I was passionate about posting again and passionate about doing the thing because I had a goal. Like you said, I had a goal, a real tangent on paper goal where I'm like, okay, if I want to affect a million people's lives in a positive and happy way, that's not just a million people like seeing my post and liking it. You know, that's we've, there's been plenty of viral photos that have had of a million people see it. What I mean is like someone actually says, Oh wow. Like I learned something from this podcast or I learned something from this video and I'm going to take that and, and actually use it. Um, bit of a tangent there, but it makes me super excited to hear that you also suggest people to do that, to get to a point where they're actually like got a proper goal. When you were, you were saying before that your, your personality is like in a way sometimes bipolar and I'm very similar. It's like, one day you're like, oh, I'm the most motivational. You know, everyone wants to hear me. Like, I'm positive and I'm, I'm ready to go. I want to help people. And then a few days later, you're like, no one wants to hear me. What the fuck am I doing? Like, I'm a fucking imposter. You have these mind games. I go through that on a weekly basis. And it's so fucking humbling hearing that from you because, like, I look up to you massively. Like, you're an incredible speaker. You've done incredible events. And... Regardless of how many followers I have, my goal is to be able to travel around the world and do events and teach young men and also women. But mostly I want to teach young men who come from rough childhoods that like you can always make it. Like I started with nothing. I had like 50 bucks in my pocket when I first met my fiance. I had a shitty old car that was broken down. I couldn't afford. She paid for me to go to the movies, which is like a $20 ticket. Like I was that broke. I was on Centrelink, which is like 
what is it called in America where you get money from the government just to survive? EBT. Yeah, I was on like the lowest low. And I want to show people that you can do that. And what I love is you're doing your own version of that where you're getting together, you know, with Aubrey and these other people and speaking in front of these people and doing these events. And that's incredible. Now, with the Align Method book, what is, if you were to give someone, it's very hard to do in a short amount of space, but if you were to give, give someone like an overview of what this book is going to give to them. Yeah, well, I can do that in a short amount of space. That's, I mean, that's like the question for the, over the last like year and a half. Um, yeah, essentially it is, I describe it as like a user's manual on how to operate your body effectively. Uh, we never really get education on how to inhabit ourselves in grade school or ever uh, for the most part because our teachers never got any education like that either. You know, they're, so they're coming from the same mold of sitting in the chair all day long and then driving in the car in the same position and then, you know, the high bed and the high toilet and, you know, culturally, Oh, there's a helicopter coming through. Is that jacking you up on the sound or is it all right? I'm here at all. Because you've got oh, really? Welcome to LA. <laughs> um, yeah, anyways. Uh, yeah, so it, we describe it as like a user's manual on how to operate your body more effectively and integrating the concepts that we gather, the consistencies through weightlifting or yoga or martial arts or dance. There's consistent movement patterns, like a golden thread throughout all of those practices that we can integrate into our daily lives um, so that we become those movements as opposed to it being something that we you know, do at 5 p.m. three days a week. Yeah. It's, it's like, no, no, I'm far more interested in, in those starting to become a part of your life as you're at work and as you're traveling and you're at home. Um, you know, so that's really what it's about and, and also expanding the conversation of what fitness and movement it is beyond just what we do in the gym, but also the way we use our eyes, you know, and the way that the sounds that we have in our environment, um, our body language on a momentary basis, that's how we communicate to each other. You don't give that many shits about the words that I say, nor as much as you do the tone of voice as we're communicating, uh, the body language as we're doing that. Yeah. Uh, if we're speaking now, and we're in person, this is especially if there's incongruence between what my body language or my tone says uh, with the words, you will trust the body language and the tone with 93% of the time or so. So it says Albert Moravian, UCLA professor guy uh, in the 70s, he came up with a rule about it that's in the book. Um, you know, and so if we can get that guideline, that, that basic fundamental mechanics down of how to, how to be in ourselves, then we can be more creative and we can be more confident and life starts to come to us as opposed to us always having to reach out to it because we're working from the inside out. You know, so every moment truly is an opportunity if you have you know, one, intention, and then two, awareness of like what the hell we're doing here in the first place. Um, you know, so some of us, we have so much intention, such as you know, probably lots of people listening to this and, and certainly you and I, at least at some point, when we're smashing ourselves in the gym, it's a buttload of intention. We just had kind of funny schematics on what we were, what the, the system that we were building, but the intention was there. You know, so what the book represents is offering people kind of like the, it's like the aftermath of, of what I got to learn through blowing up my own body. Um, you know, so to make it be your body, be more of like a, a spacious home to live in. You know, that's, that's the goal. You know, I want your body I want you to love your body and you feel completely at home and comfortable and creative and strong and, and limitless in your body when you're a hundred years old. If that's where you arrive, then like you're killing the, the, the principles of the aligned method.
And the align method isn't something that I'm putting myself on a, on any pedestal and saying like, I am the align method. I'm like, I essentially wrote my own Bible for myself. Like everything in here, I'm like, I can follow these principles throughout the rest of my life. And this is it. This, this is like, you know, the, the principles essentially stack up to like the fountain of youth. Um, you know, but it's still, it's, it's, a, it's all about practicing. You know, so you could take one of the principles and play with that for a week and then take another one and play with that for a week. Uh, it doesn't need to be something that's like, okay, cool. I'm going to consume my life with this, this, this new perspective. That was a long, that was a long explanation, but essentially it's a user's manual for how to drive your body. That'd be the, that's, that's incredible. the sound like, bite. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I really, I've, you know, I've been around your stuff for a long time. I've looked at your, um, you know, align method online as well. And looked at just a lot of different stuff you've done, seen you doing some live events. Like, I believe the Align Method book and your theories will be the future of uh, movement because people want to attach themselves on like a label for the community, which is fine. We want that as well. But if you're going to the gym and you're doing these corrective hip flexor exercises and then you're coming home and sitting at a table and eating dinner and then you're sitting at a computer, you're Crazy. like, well, you could just skip, you could just skip the, the corrective exercise of the gym and sit on the floor at home with a cushion. Yes. You know what, I mean? what are we talking about? Yeah. It's crazy. Everyone, oh bro, everyone <laughs> thought I was fucking crazy. We, we just got this new house. Um, we just moved into a new house, uh, me and Alicia, about six, seven months ago. And it's a nice house. It's close to a really nice gym, close to the beach. Um, we're really blessed in Australia. Uh, I, work, I work very hard to be here. Anyway, and everyone thought I was fucking crazy. I don't have a dining table. I just have cushions on the floor. Oh, cool. Like a little um, coffee table that we put our legs under. That's great, man. Alicia's parents tried to buy a buy a table and bring it over, and I was like, "No, there's a whole. You don't. I don't need a table. I'm doing it on purpose." Like people thought, maybe I can't afford a table. It's like, fuck. People's minds are fucked. Like, well, they just need to travel. You need to go to another country. Go to Morocco. Go to Southeast Asia. Go anywhere else in the world. You know, and the cultures that are in those places, like the ones that have been more studied in relation to this conversation, like Northern Africa and Southeast Asia and Eastern Mediterranean, places where people toilet on the ground and you know, you know like a, like a low toilet as opposed to just going to the 90 degrees um you know and sleep on the ground or just hang out you know like you see a thai guy in a deep squat while he's smoking a cigarette waiting for a bus like that's very common practice like your body you've built in sitting mechanism it's called a deep squat you know, and throughout history, throughout your evolution, the human animal, you have gone up and down off of the ground with regularity since the beginning of, of, of you. And then all of a sudden, chairs come in and it's kind of like an indication of royalty. You know, like Egyptian times and they're like studded with diamonds and gold and all this stuff. And it's like, cool, like I'm, you know, it's the, it's the I like the word, the affluenza, the disease of affluence. You know, as the, we go into that position where, okay, I'm going to outsource all of this precious movement function that's literally built in tuning mechanisms to heal my body, circulate my fluid. Um, we outsource that to technology. Then all of a sudden, at a physiological level, we atrophy. And then eventually, we lose our physical autonomy and we become dependent on technology to take care of us. If we do that... Um, it's a really slippery slope. And, and that's not to say that you need to burn technology and you can't wear high heels and you can't have a couch and you can't have a dinner table and you can't have a 
TV or car, like all that stuff is completely fine. But if you just allow yourself to become dust in the wind and just get kind of pushed through the Western cultural mold, uh, you will turn into a Western cultural statistic. And the statistics are like, they're not that good. You know, if you look at the increase in anxiety medication and depression and even suicidal ideation and you know, all of these things, like the body wants to adapt, it wants to grow, it wants to bit put out in the cold sometimes and figure it out. It wants to get put out in the hot sometimes and figure it out. It wants to have to climb a tree to get an apple instead of pressing a button on your cell phone for it to be delivered. <laughs> you know, and if we do those things, we embrace some of those inconveniences that, you know, advertisements has convinced us is like, oh, we just don't have time for that. It's like, no, no, no. Like, like today I walked to the grocery store and I filled up five gallons of water and I have these two jugs that are like two and a half gallons. And it's like a great trip. You know, I got my shirt off. I've got listening to a, to an audio book. Uh, I'm walking there. I was barefoot. You know, you know, you don't need to be barefoot per se, but like it's a short walk and there's like roots and stuff and grass I can walk on. And I'm like hunting and gathering, man. Yeah. You know, and it's like this inconvenience that I'm embracing and loving because it's literally I'm massaging my cells. You know, an unnecessary term is mechanotransduction, which is as the, the, the mechanical movement that you have on your cells translates into a chemical stimuli. And so that chemical stimuli of, oh, I twisted my hips to the left and then to the right and then up and down and in and out, that sends the stimuli that like, okay, this is a body that needs to move. It needs to be nourished. It needs to be healed because they're probably going to move like this again in maybe six hours or tomorrow or you know, like we got to be prepared for this. So it says, okay, cool, recruit. And we're going to bring on new cells and we're going to, we're going to strengthen this tissue and we're going to you know, turn on like essentially like a, like a, a nervous system electrical storm in that area to engage that space so that you can have it because your body knows that you need it. But if you don't do that, your body thinks that you don't need it, even though you absolutely do need it. You just maybe don't realize it yet. Um, and it will shut down. You know, it's like your body and your brain, like it's expensive to run you. It is not a cheap system to operate. And so your body is really clever in that it will shut down anything you don't use. Um, you know, so if we want to be fully embodied and connected and in relationship or union, which is the meaning of, of yoga, uh, union uh, with ourselves, we just got to turn our parts on. And the way that we do that is perhaps from reinterpreting uh, the meaning of inconvenience you know, and, and maybe embracing how good it can feel uh, to maybe take a knee every now and again, instead of just sitting in that same fucking sitting position that I've been in ever since I was put in a stroller. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I think more so than anything, I believe that we have to start now as adults with change, but I believe the biggest way it's going to help long-term is if we keep like we let our kids and let the young people keep being young. Like yeah, man. there's a certain, there's a certain age where you're not really allowed to rock up to the monkey bars and uh, walk uh, crawl around with the kids and play. Like there's a certain age. You're like a, weird. If you're, you're like a pedophile. Yeah. Like if you're Especially if, United States, yeah, if you're like 16, 17 years old and you're a guy, um, you're not really allowed to go and hang on the monkey bars with the kids. Like it's just kind of weird. But yeah. if everyone kept doing it, he'd have other 16 and 17 year olds to hang out with. And then there would be 16, 17 year olds hanging out with young kids. And then the adults would be there playing. It's like, 
man, like we have to start, we have to start this at a younger age and we have to keep the education at the toddlers and don't put them in strollers and make them walk more and carry them in the front and make them crawl and hang more. And you see a kid do a squat and you're like, it's just perfection, like mobility. And, and then I've seen, actually, I've worked with a few clients over the last two years. I've been working with a lot of uh, kids uh, that are like 15, 16. And you'd be surprised. There's kids that can't even touch their fucking toes and they're 15 years old. I'm like, what the fuck have you been doing? And they're just playing video games, sitting at a desk at school, anxiety, depression. I'm like, maybe this anxiety and depression, like everyone wants to think that like you, like you get you get depression one day and then you have depression. And people argue with me on my Instagram about this. I don't even argue back with them. There is going to be a small, very small rare case of people that have a chemical imbalance. They have, let's say, depression. I still believe they're feeling depressed and everything can be uh, fixed, repaired or changed. But I think for 80% of the people that say that they've got anxiety and they're depressed and everything, let's say if they did like hot yoga for a full week and walked around in the fucking bush and sat on the, put their feet on the sand or the grass and like got some earthing and moved around a little bit, exercised, did a run, did a walk. I'm sure the shit would go away really quickly. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And it's nobody's fault. You know, it's an important thing. It's not like, anybody is better than somebody else or one idea is i mean i think one idea might be a little better obviously but it's the it's the the mold we're just really adaptable creatures and if you put students into a mold where all they have is screens to stare at and you know they're inside walls and they're under artificially blue lit lights and these rooms that are air conditioned and you know it's like their body essentially starts to disengage uh, and they adapt to that, and that's what they, and that's that's what you know, the consequences of those those atrophies manifesting themselves is, you know, an, an uncomfortable human. You know, they're all of a sudden it's like you, you want to run. You know, like that sensation you get after just like full out running, like it's the most gratifying experience when you get done with that. Like your body thrives on it. And so when you're cooped up in that room all day and then your teachers are putting pressure on you that you need to maintain, you know, stillness or else you have some type of mental disorder. Um, it's like, what do you expect? It's not anybody's fault. You know, the teachers are teaching what they think is, is, is correct. You know, so I think what we can do is exactly what you're saying and look at little people, you know, like your kids preschool, look at them as teachers you know, and see like, wow, like they're in this really beautiful relationship with their environment and gravity. And granted, sometimes they're, you know, kind of jerks and they'll throw, you know, a fit and like, maybe don't look at them as teachers from like an emotional perspective. Um, but yeah, but from a physical perspective, man, they are just like in complete union with this relationship with gravity. It's very fascinating. Just while you're on that subject, this is really interesting. Do you, do you believe, which I believe that kids wouldn't be having these fits and tantrums as much if they're actually moving more. Most of these kids yeah, don't have these problems because you've just given a pack of lollies at a party, like a little kid's party and yeah. given them chips and lollies and then you put them in the car and then oh, they're yeah. freaking the fuck out. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and you see that in schools, especially in Europe, there's a, a documentary by Michael Moore. Recently. I, think it's, I think it's called, where to invade next who do we invade next the united states going and invading these countries in europe mostly i think it was all europe and they're such just taking like their good ideas as the idea so if like put plants his flag and like schools and like finland and whatnot 
And what we found was the schools that are, have, you know, the best test scores in the globe and their, their students, it's just like, they're like killing the, the school game. What's the big secret? Less school, you know, and less homework. <laughs> like, yeah, we're not like the cup is full. You know, these kids need to consolidate memories and they like you, that's your learning experience goes far beyond what words you're memorizing out of a textbook as you're hunching over in this blue lit room with the air conditioning and the Wi-Fi and all that. And you're memorizing this information because you're pressured to be able to regurgitate that for a multiple choice Scantron test. You're probably going to fucking cheat on anyway because you don't care. You shouldn't care. If you care, you've been brainwashed. (laughs) Like if you're a, if you're a 10 year old kid and you're like memorizing some facts about some crap that happened. And I mean, I think history's, I think most of the subjects are really interesting to be honest, but 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 most of those passionate about what you're doing history on or any subject. And then it should be that you elect that, not that like, okay, everyone does this, this whole month. You're going to learn about something you have no interest in. And if you don't pass it, not, you're not as smart as Tom in that over there. What's well, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the, what I'm getting at, which, which I, I don't, I don't really agree with what I just said of like that the, that the, the subjects don't matter. I think the subjects are great, but it's the, the medium in which you ascertain that information that is actually the most valuable. You know, and that's like Marshall McLuhan is a guy that popularized the idea of the medium is the message. You know, so we think the message is the stuff we're memorizing for the Scantron. But in fact, it's that room that we're sitting in and the screen that we're staring into and the chair that we're sitting on and the pressures, the cultural pressures of that room that we're in uh, and the bus that we were in before that and the, all of that. That's actually what's shaping you beyond the minutia of the actual details for you to remember, you know, to press B on the Scantron test. And so when you walk out of that, like what we need to, it's like keep teaching history and algebra and poetry. And I mean, teach more poetry, teach more of the arts. It's really important. Um, Like to keep teaching everything, uh, but pay attention to the medium in which that information is being perfused into the minds of these kids. Because if you put them in an environment where they are more, the mind becomes more supple, you know, such as having more natural light exposure, you know, and maybe having a little temperature regulation every now and again, you know, and maybe walking with regularity. What if we did concentrated work breaks? What if we were sitting on the floor as we did that? So we're mobilizing our hips and circulating fluids. It's better for digestion. Um, And then did a concentrated work break, 25 minutes called Pomodoro technique. And then we said, all right, kids, I know you want to get up. Does everyone want to get up? You guys, you guys clocked out about three minutes ago, right? I can see your eyes are glazing over. You're not here with me anymore. Um, Go for a walk. Let's play tag. We're going to do five minutes of tag. We're going to consolidate some of those memories and then we're going to come back and we're going to, we're going to do a, a new dump of some of this information. And, you know, and so if we did that, then all of a sudden we're respecting the cup as opposed to seeing, oh, the cup's full, but you know, I'm not paid enough to really give a shit about na- navigating the, the fluid in the cup. I'm just going to keep pouring because that's what I'm supposed to do. And what you see statistically as far as schools that are better about navigating the, 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 the depth of fluid in the cup um, by allowing the kids to go to research and let them sleep in a little bit later because it's helpful as a young person, your circadian rhythm is, is different than an adult, uh, which we're, we're curtailing the school system to adults as opposed to kids. Um, you know, and then saying, listen, when you go home, I want you to be outside. I want you to play football and I want you to climb trees. I want you to play ultimate Frisbee, you know, and then tonight I want you to maybe hang out with your friends and then 
uh, spend some time with your family, connect and learn like loving relationships and compassion and empathy. And then I want you to sleep. I want you to sleep so good, you know? And then like, now we're like, we're really like sprouting the flower here, but instead we're just, you know, if you feed a flower too much water, it dies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So that's a similar place we're at with, uh, I think the school. I feel like I want to go back and let you be my teacher. <laughs> <laughs> the alive method, baby. Bring it to schools. We're ready. <laughs> let me the future, eh? You're it is the American. future. It is the future. I'm not, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that that is the future. I think that enough, there's very few uh, parents that hear this conversation. And I'd let me know if there are people that are like, no, this is ridiculous. I'd like love to continue the conversation with them that are like against that. Hmm. You know, like it's very rare that you meet a parent and it's very rare that you meet a student. It's more just, it's like Terrence McKenna talked about the, you know, our society is not built for humans. It's built for society. You know, so it's like that your society is like, is the enemy of the individual in some cases. You know, so we're locked into these patterns because it's like, well, that's the, that's the, the way that the ship is sailing. It's like, no, no, no. But what about like how I feel as an individual? No, that's not how I want my, my ship to sail. Yeah, man. Yeah. All right. So how do people get your amazing book, bro? How do they get it? Like people in Australia, America, what's going on? Um, So it launches uh, December 24th, 2019. And it's in any bookstore and Amazon is probably a primary location most people will grab it from. And uh, so yeah, the Align Method. If it's this before, this is going to go out after the 24th, I would, I would guess. Um, I might have it out in like, uh, what's the date today? 18th. I'll have it out within two days. Oh, cool. Okay, okay, cool. So then there's, there's pre-sale. Um, so we have a bunch of bonuses and prizes and stuff if, if people do uh, go through the pre-sale to get the Align Method. Um, so with that, they'll get free video guide on how to align your travel, which is a chapter in the book. Um, and then also how to effectively spend more time on the ground and what that means. And a big thing as well with what we're talking about being on the ground, it's important to know that nobody's suggesting that we like have, have lay down on like a cold tile floor. Not you know, either. what I'm suggesting is you get like comfy rugs, like make it a thing, like make it a vibe, you know, get like Moroccan poofs and floor pillows and, <laughs> you know, throw a yoga mat down someplace and like make it like a blanket, like make it a thing that's cool. People were uh, having a laugh saying like when they come to my house because I didn't have a dining table and I'm like, yeah, but my fucking, those, those cushions are like $60 cushions and then the rug, yeah. it's like a $350 rug. Like, yeah, make it nice. The good shit, man. Like I want to sit on the floor. Yeah, get the, get the, get the good shit. That'd be my recommendation, you know? And so what you'll find with that, like human, there's another uh, the section at the end. I know we're wrapping up, but the last section at the end is called moving your senses. And it gets into one of the chapters in that is with touch is literally, it's the nutrient for our body, you know, and, and a, a high percentage of, of Western culture is under touched, you know, and it's, it's like, it's, it's like you, not enough magnesium or, you know, not enough vitamin A or vitamin touch and so if we take that out our bodies start to feel disconnected and lonely and you know it's a, it's a healing mechanism that contact and what you'll find is when you're in a room that isn't disconnected with just a big table and chairs or you sit around the board room table you know it's like there's no touch there there's no contact you know but if you make it a vibe like we're suggesting 
you know, and make it cool, like make it comfortable, make it feng shui, make it look good. Like you don't need to be a weirdo with this. Um, and keep your couch too. It doesn't need to, you don't need to make these huge rash decisions. Just have an area that you're able to get down. And what you'll find is it's more fun. You'll smile more and you'll end up having manifesting more touch in your life. You know, so if you have like a pillowy area to lay down with your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever, you just immediately go into like snuggling up. You don't do that around the dinner table and you do that much less on the couch. Yeah. You know, so it's, a, it's a, you become more playful, you know, and then all of a sudden like, wow, I'm like wrestling with my friend or my girlfriend or whatever. Like I never would have done that yeah. because we didn't have enough space. Oh, we're doing yoga together now. Oh, we're doing acro yoga. Oh, yeah. we're like, I'm just sprawled out like a starfish in the middle of my living room doing the thing that I would pay a personal trainer to suggest that I do yeah. because <laughs> I created space in my environment. All of a sudden it just becomes who I am. You know, so that's, that's what it's all about. Thanks. I appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you in general, man. I appreciate you making time for this. Thank you so much, Aaron. And I'm so fucking stoked to have you on the podcast. It's been two years of, uh, you know, you're just, I'm just like, a, I'm just a fan, bro. I'm just, I'm just a <laughs> Thanks, brother. fan. And uh, one thing that really drawn me to you is you messaged me back like within a few days on Instagram a few years ago. And, you know, I would comment on something and you would comment back and you said to me, Hey, whenever you're um, in Santa Monica or wherever you're living, you're like, come visit. And I was like, this dude's just a real dude. Like he's just a real mm -hmm. dude that people can get along with and uh, everyone's busy, but like, he's just genuinely wants everyone to be aligned and happy and smile. And if everyone can laugh more like you do, it'll be a better place. Well, if everyone else is happier, then I become happier. Yeah. You know, like we're all connected. You know, if you live in a world, it's like Scrooge or whatever the guy was, the guy's name, the movie where, or the, the kid's show where he jumps in his gold coins. You know what I'm talking about? He's like, has his vault and he's all lonely and he's, he, somebody knows. Um, but anyways, if you're, have everything that you want, but the rest of the world is sad, you're sad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's no, like you are your community. So the more that you can feed into your community, it's selfish. You know, like the more that you can make your community a better place, the happier you will become. It's very interesting. Sell your watch and buy um, some cushions for your house. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, uh, I appreciate this, man. Yeah, All right, bro. We'll wrap it up there because I want to leave a little bit for another podcast in like three or four months. I'm super stoked to have you on. Cool. Uh, thank you so much. Yes, guys, you can get the uh, Align Method book from Amazon. Uh, you can go on to what it, your Instagram, Aaron, is at Align Method Podcast. Is that right? No, no, no. Everything's Align Podcast as Align far podcast. as like, like the website and Instagram and then obviously the name of the podcast. Everything's just A-L-I-G-N Podcast. Awesome, awesome. All right, thank you so much, brother. Thank uh, you. Appreciate your time. Yeah, See man. You. Appreciate it, brother. See you, dude.